What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 75 of the Lombard Trucking Show. Very glad to have you here. As always, I'm your host, Michael Lombard. And today we have a very special, awesome guest, a phenomenal human being that uh, was discovered via uh, our Lost Freight Discord and uh, Twitter, the, the freight network we're growing on Twitter. He is known on Twitter as Mac Lovin which is probably the greatest name I could have ever heard of because uh, I remember seeing the movie super bad in high school when it came out. And the, the Mc, it's such a, such a great play off of the McLovin because this gentleman loves Mack trucks. Uh, he is the owner operator over there at Hellbent express. So without any further delay, Mac Lovin, glad to have you on the show, man. You kind of oversold it. I think. <laughs> Oh no, no, no shot, man. You you're a great Twitter follow. Your your support is uh you know, I, I always appreciate your support and your engagement on on Twitter spaces. You got an awesome story, man. You're doing something really cool. I, I love your your branding. You take a lot of pride in Mac trucks being and Mac, correct me if I'm wrong, they're they're kind of like the first to do this whole thing. Well, I think uh, well, technically Team Run Smart from Freightliner was the very first sort of uh, manufacturer uh, that decided to take some truckers and, and throw them in some trucks and see what they thought of them and and then kind of put them out there in the universe uh, to talk trucking basically uh, from the manufacturer's point of view, right? Like they gave them a new truck, said, you know, go out there and talk about it. Um, a few years later, uh, Mac started it and now Volvo with uh, Joel Morrow involved as well so there's you know kind of not sort of uh part of the team so to speak right mac <laughs> it's just it's just weird because it's not it's not like an official thing as much as it is just kind of a you know yeah hey take this truck we're going to give you the latest and greatest of thing and just talk about it on social media is all they wanted me to do so it's kind of a cool non you know official thing so yeah no, that's awesome. We'll, de we'll definitely get into that. So, uh, t you know, tell the people. So what's what's your story, man? How did we get here today? Where are you where are you from? What got it? What got you to help Ben Express? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't know if a person goes into their life too far. I was, you know, born a uh, nine pounds, eight ounces, you know, not a big baby. Uh, about 1030 at night, right after the Lucille Ball show, my mom tells me. <laughs> No, I, I don't know. I grew up in a small town, grew up on a farm. My dad is a truck driver slash farmer. Uh, neither one of those occupations paid shit in the 80s. And it was a good recipe to go broke back in those days, right? So he did them both in an effort to go broke quicker, I think. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, the guy tried his best. Uh, so I grew up, you know, on a farm, five other siblings. I'm smack dab in the middle. Um, and we always struggled. Uh, I remember riding with my dad when I was three years old, uh, just out of diapers, basically. We'd run uh, equipment down from North Dakota down to Oklahoma, uh, a brand called Ditchwich, which was like a, a little equipment piece that would, you know, channel or what would they call it? It sounded like a digger, almost kind of a thing. We'd go down there uh, with a flatbed, and then we'd put the side kit on, and then we'd load up grain, uh, bring stuff back. So it was, it was, you know, as a young age, I was flatbedding and doing stuff with my dad, an old uh, international cab overs. 
Um, cut to growing up, uh, him deciding now that the older I got, the the more I could be used around the farm. Started driving basically when I was eight years old uh, on the farm between pickups and uh, uh, little one-ton trucks uh, hauling out of the fields. So I, I picked up the driving thing early, right? Like, you know, got that passion for it. Uh, as soon as I got old enough, uh, South Dakota actually doesn't have, oddly enough, or didn't at the time in the 80s, did not have a CDL law. So anyone within the state of South Dakota could drive a commercial vehicle. Crazy as that sounds, right? <laughs> so you want to talk about no training? How about no license? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There, there's some <laughs> listeners of the show. I, I'm I am friends with a lot of libertarian-minded people who who would be like, hell yeah, that's the that's the way it should be. Let the let the market fi- figure right. out who can drive. Well, that's what happened. So my dad he he ran out and bought some trucks when I was 16. Um, started driving truck for him basically at the age of 16, doing flatbed work around South Dakota. Obviously, I couldn't leave the state. Uh, we were hauling hay and, and anything we could put on, put on a flatbed, uh, a couple of grain trailers too. So we were just doing custom stuff like that, not making any money at it, but it was a great way to learn. Um, turned to turning 18 years old, uh, South Dakota did eventually pass the CDL law in 1992. <laughs> wow, 92. I mean, yeah. I, was, I, I was just thinking about this, though. If there was a state to not have to allow it, I've been, you know, I've been in South Dakota a bunch. I mean, you know, the it's it's ninety that runs through South Dakota the whole way, yeah, or eight, say ninety. Yeah, ninety runs through it, and it's like, I mean, it is flat and straight. So I mean, it, you know, a lot of the roads in South Dakota are flat and straight. So summertime, yeah. you can kind of, yeah, you can kind of throw somebody in a truck, and I think they can figure out if, if there's a state to do it. Nebraska, South Dakota, those would be states where it's just like, well, it's straight and flat. You know, if they mess up. Oh, you know, then it's on them. But wow, 92, you finally had to get your CDL. And this is, and yeah. obviously you need it if you wanted to leave the state. But yeah, just overall, they made it in 92. Yeah. So in 1992, I technically already had two years of driving experience. All I had to do was take a written exam and they handed me a CDL. I was grandfathered in. Uh, so I've, I've actually technically never taken a, drive, a driving test. Uh, for my personal vehicle, I when I turned 14, South Dakota is a state that you know when you turn 14 you can get a, a motor vehicle license, and uh, so I, you know, took a written test and they gave me <laughs> gave me my driver's license. Same thing with my CDL. So it's kind of crazy. I got a crazy story from that point of view. Uh, got started extremely early in trucking. Uh, it's all I've really only done. I've tried to dabble in uh, the occasional, you know, you know most truck drivers. Uh, you do it long enough, you get frustrated with it. And uh, so I have tried to dabble in other things, but it's really the only thing I've ever done with my life is drive a damn truck, right? Um, when I turned 21, uh, like most people that are with their parents uh, trying to do a business, decided that the old man was going to kind of keep it, doing it his way, and I wanted to do it my way. I wanted to get out there I wanted to be like the big riggers, you know, I wanted to get out there and drive all 48 states. I wanted to do it all. And he just wanted to run local. Of course, he was used to going all over the country. So he was like, you know, let's just keep it local. And I'm like, yeah, where's the fun in that? So I ran out and uh, bought my own truck at 21. 
decided that was a great idea. <laughs> Back then, Mercedes-Benz, uh, when they just bought out Freightliner, they uh, were financing literally anybody that had a pulse. You know, if you had a credit score higher than 500, I think you got you could get a, a Freightliner, you know. And this is not this is what 95 at this point. Or yeah, this has been a 95. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So I bought a, a, a slightly used 92 FLD. That was when they first came out with them um, in the N14. So it was kind of a first generation of that SLD that everybody knows and loves from the, the 90s, you know. Uh, decided to lease on to a motor carrier called Smithway Motor Express out of Fort Dodge, Iowa. And I was off and running. Uh, did it I did it the the worst way you could have really with no experience over the road uh, with no business experience and literally borrowed money for the down payment on the truck to get a loan so I was financed you know way over my head and uh, <laughs> spent the next three years just struggling my ass off trying to stay in business really um, but I learned a lot of lessons the hard way, especially, you know, with flatbedding, you know, the, most lessons you learn in flatbedding are the hard way. Uh, you know, you take a few bungees to the face here and there, and, you know, you, 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 you know, you, you take a few, uh, rides on a, on a, on a tarp if you, it's a windy day and you, you think, you oh, know, I'll just stand on this thing. That'll keep it from flying away. <laughs> now you're going with it. Yeah. Yeah, as it turns out, it's it's a dumb way to do things. But like I said, you learn them the hard way. You know, now I know better. You drag it down on the ground and get it on the ground first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah. Um, that's what really got me started in it. Kind of, like I said, doing it the hard way. Went out of business in 98. Um, my last month, I cleared a whole whopping $500 for the month. And I thought to myself, you know, I could uh, I could have easily gone to work at McDonald's. This one, McDonald's only paid, you know, uh, seven bucks an hour. It's not like they pay the you know $17 an hour now. But literally decided that, you know, I could do anything other than own my own truck and have less stress and headache. And called up a, a small carrier out of Gary, South Dakota, called Cliff Eastman Incorporated. I wanted to work with somebody in South Dakota, uh, Smithway being from Iowa. Didn't really have a lot of freight going to South Dakota. So it was always a bounce in or out of South Dakota to go home. So <clears throat> decided I needed to find someone that actually uh, had a, a terminal in South Dakota if I wanted to get home more. Uh, called these guys and they do, you know, they started off just doing regional stuff. They were just hauling uh, food ingredients, uh, dairy and, and um, fructose, you know, different kinds of sugars, sweeteners right around the area to different manufacturers, food plants. And I thought, well, God, that'll be great. You know, regional job where you're home every weekend. And that's when the real, the real school began, I felt like, in trucking, because everything was timed. I didn't realize, you know, when you flatbed, you know, you know, uh, you, there's no real times. They're like, yeah, hey, can you be here on this day? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more laid back in flatbed. Yeah, yeah for, first come, first serve. Hey, you show up this day. And then sometimes if you can't, Sometimes if you're actually like late, they'll be like, oh, you know, it's fine. Just show up like at least John Deere places like you could just show up, you know, you could show up early whenever they don't really yeah. like anytime I've shown up. I'm just like, yeah, were you guys expecting this? Oh, we didn't know if you were going to come tomorrow or, 
but I was like, oh. so yeah, it's a little bit more laid back. But yeah, when when you switch over to van, that's when the that's when the times come up. Yeah, van and then food grade tank. So everything's timed. You know, you you load at this time of the day and you deliver the next day or the you know, everything's timed. They're, they're they don't do anything without a time. So it puts you on a schedule, and suddenly you know I had to I had to hustle so to speak. Um, it was it was a good learning experience. You know, spent um, technically I'm still there. I got five trucks leased on with them still. Uh, I was a company driver for twelve years. Yeah, twelve years it would have been with them. Uh, learned a lot of business things from them. Uh, They're great small trucking company at the time. I was. I was their 178th truck, I believe, when I came on in 98 with them. And now they're close to 500 trucks. So they're a big organization organization now, but they were, you know, I guess in my mind, it felt small. You know, um, you got to know all the owners really well. They were, you know, small trucking family, you know, and they just good people. So, you know, they were always open and honest with a guy as far as like, how it was going to be and what i mean by that is they didn't sugarcoat it you know i will give them this they didn't lie that the job sucked they just told you it's trucking suck it up and do it <laughs> you know so i learned a lot of a lot of good lessons from those guys um uh traveled all over the country with them decided when i first came to work with them though i, w- I did own my truck at the time it was just too heavy uh, for their application. So they did tell me when I came on as a company driver, if I ever wanted to be an owner operator again, they would lease me on and cut to, like I said, 12 years later, decide to buy my own truck um, and start over again. Try to try this time. I was going to try a little harder and use my head. That's one of the biggest reasons why, as I started listening to Kevin Rutherford on, on his show on Sirius XM on, on weekends, and on, at midnight, he'd come on. And I just thought the guy made a lot of sense. Uh, kind of approaching trucking, at, you know, your business as an actual business. And I could I could look back at those years and realize I just didn't think it through. You know, I was too caught up in being a kid, you know, uh, 21 to 24 years old. You know, I, I look back and I'm, I don't know, what the hell was I even thinking that I could do this, you know, on my own? like I did. Uh, but I ran it kind of just like a, you know, I didn't have a personal bank account. It was all one, you know, and I just treated the business like my, like my money. And I just spent it all as fast as I could make it. And there was never a, a day where I didn't have a rainy day fund or maintenance fund, you know, and it's like I said, a recipe for disaster. So listening to him made me think, you know, maybe a second chance at this, I could give it a, a better shot. Right. So I went out and bought a truck and uh, it worked out really well. Like uh, with his tips, I was able to do some things and uh, become profitable. And it helped too, you know, uh, these guys have their own customers. They have set rates. There's no fluctuation in any of the rates. They never go down. They only go up. The only part that fluctuates is their fuel surcharge. So, with that, I realized, too, that a guy can make some money on that fuel surcharge if you could beat the average. Um, so that was where it all kind of came from, too, with my fuel economy was just trying to make more money beating their average. And uh, it worked out really well. Um, 
I know I'm kind of glossing over a lot of shit here, but <laughs> no, well, this this, you're, this is a lot of years we're covering. So yeah. it's, you know, this is a lot of good information. I'm glad you bring up Kevin. Uh, he he's definitely going to be coming on the show soon. I just had a phone call with him. Yeah, and his knowledge that he shares, um, especially just from the business side of things, is like it's it. You know, he's oh, he's given out a lot of free game to guys, and it's it's cool to hear that you know he did this for you. You know, back in know what was this you know what year is this now when you when you started over so you went out and you know you you got rid of the first uh you know go in business in 98 so it was until what 2012 you got your next truck 2010 2010 you start over you got kevin rutherford on xm i mean i'll tell you this right now if i was 20 22 to 24 i mean i remember i mean i had a lot of money when i came back from afghanistan when i was 21 and i'll tell you I mean, a lot of it went to the Camaro, uh, to a Camaro, which I still own. So, you know, at least it's, it's not a bad thing. But in, in hindsight, you know, I could have put, you know, some of this this money elsewhere. So I know what it's like to be 21 and have like a large sum of money or have access to it. You know, so I I mean, hey, man, you you would you don't definitely don't kick yourself in the butt for it because you wouldn't be where you are now without having done that in the, in your early twenties. The only thing that's upsetting is that there's still, there are people who are in their thirties making the mistakes you made in your twenties when now they have access to all this information out there to tell them, Hey, this is what you shouldn't do. You know, like access, like stuff that Kevin Rutherford talks about is like free game available online anywhere. And there are still guys like, you know, you know, Still with yeah. this mindset, oh, I can get a truck and I'm going to make a quarter million dollars this year. And it's just uh, not not quite. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's not, it's it, not really. My gross a quarter million, but you certainly ain't going to take that home. Yeah. That's that's the thing. They they still don't know the difference between gross and net. But so you, you got your own truck in 2010. And yeah, I know you. Yeah, we've glossed over. I mean, this is a big time period. It's crazy to think. I know when I say 10 years ago, I still think it's 99 or 2000, yeah, you know, 2000 right? when, you know, 10 years <laughs> Now, when you say 10 years ago, it's like I wasn't even in the Marines 10 years ago. I had already gotten out. It's like it's wild to think of that concept. So 2010, you get your you get your own truck. You were a company guy with them, but then you get your own truck. So where does it go from there? Well, I, like I said, uh, I bought a used ass truck. Uh, this was right after the economy tanked. You know, a lot of trucking companies went out of business in 08 and 09. And in, in 2010, I picked up a truck that had gone to the auction. It was a, a three-year-old truck with 150,000 miles on it. And uh, I bought it for 25 grand. You wow. know, it was brand, brand new. Brand new truck. Yeah. But it had been loved really hard. It really did. Uh, it had the bumper was tore off it. Uh, the visor, it was a Volvo uh, with an ISX Cummins in it. Um, learned some valuable lessons on that thing. Uh and it, you know, it just been loved hard, and I'm pretty sure somebody died in it. Uh, I used to think maybe it was an kind of an animal smell, but the more I kind of lived in it, I, the more it kind of smelled like carcass. I don't know. Maybe someone died in it. I don't know. There was a reason why it was, <laughs> it was cheap, but you know, I I figured I had to start off with, you know, I had a a seven hundred dollar a month payment on this thing, like a nothing payment. Uh, good bank would only loan me money for a few years on it, you know, which was fine. I put some money down. I had some money in the bank saved up this time. Like I said, this time I, I come at it from a different point of view. I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted cash flow. You know, I realized 
if you don't have money in the bank, when the little things go wrong, you're kind of screwed. But I started off with this truck, immediately started dumping money into it, like just right out of the gate. You know, it needed tires. It sat so long the exhaust had rusted through. Uh, it was a, a, a godforsaken Cummins. You know, <laughs> I say that because I spent a lot of money on that thing with the emissions. All the stuff you heard back in the day, you know, EGR valves, turbos, turbo actuators. You know what I mean? I As soon as I'd get one fixed, six months down the road, it would go out again. And it, I, I was just pulling my hair out because I couldn't. I couldn't spend enough money on that damn red motor. I couldn't spend enough money. It seemed like every time I turned around, I was up at Cummins and Fargo, North Dakota, just spending money. Downtime galore. It was it was just driving me insane. Um, cut to, this would have been 2013, right in there, 2012, 13. All these years meld together now, right? <laughs> uh Cliff Eastman had ordered some of these brand new Volvo trucks they'd come out with, with the, uh, the XE package. It was the very first generation of the downspeeding concept. Uh, I actually believe it started at Mac with their Super Econodyne, I believe. And then Volvo took after, you know what I mean? They, they're the same company, but they're different. They're separate. They're together, whatever you want to call it. They share technology, but, uh, cut to that XE package they you know they the dealership talked them into a few of them and they basically said do you want to try it I said yeah sounds great uh to me because I was getting tired of this uh you know this boat anchor of an engine uh that needed to go away <laughs> I'm sure there's a farmer out there because I traded the truck and I'm sure there's a farmer out there right now just cussing me <laughs> but hey don't cuss me that was Cummins that did that um so yeah, that's where it really began. That's when it took off. Uh, I got that new uh, Volvo, and from that point on, it has just been profit. Like, I immediately started, you know, fuel economy shot up, profitability shot up. Uh, I got a, a whorehouse deal on it, as I like to say, because I, I only paid like 120 grand for this thing, uh, you know, super cheap, you know, and it was just fantastic. You know, I can't be excited about it enough because that's when it really began uh, i started uh, really making some serious profit started putting money away um cut to being able to order my very first truck and i made it a mac because i love that volvo technology but i didn't really care for the cab you know the cab's got that low that low uh dash and the big huge windows you know and that very kind of a, a swedish looking kind of feel to it you know and I decided I, I wanted to, something a little more North American, you know, like the, the way Mac kind of did it still, you know, kind of an old school truck. And it, I thought it was a good meld. So that's what got me started on Macs. I uh, went out and bought my very first ordered truck, you know, and uh, that truck was even more uh, efficient with fuel in it. Instead of spending the money, I was, I was, I was, you know, frugal with it. I just kept putting it away. Uh thinking that, you know, someday this is going to work out great. Uh, instead of, you know, I didn't invest it in the stock market. <laughs> I was just stupid enough to think that trucking was going to be my way in the future, right? Like I was going to, this was going to be my future was, was buying trucks. And that's how it began. Um, 
decided to buy a second truck on a whim, so to speak, went out and bought one, and, and then it just kind of took off. Um, learned a lot of lessons about business the hard way on that, too, because as it turns out, you can't just go hire somebody off the street. You're supposed to, according to the federal regulation, <laughs> you got to have a, uh, all these different things. you got to actually fill out an application. An application, I guess, is very important. I just shook the guy's hand and said, you know, you start tomorrow. Oh, yeah, you might have to pass a, a, a pre-employment drug screen, by the way. I don't I think. I didn't know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it all began, really. It was just kind of just constant reinvestment, constant trying to do better the next day. That You know, that kind of stuff, the, the stuff you read about in books, right? Yeah, no, this, this is an awesome story, man. It, yeah, I want to get into that hiring stuff soon because – Almost going back to like how South Dakota used to not require a CDL for interstate, you know, that's how you, that's how people used to get jobs. You know, I used to work with this guy who was a Vietnam veteran, and he said the day he got back from Vietnam, I mean, he was back for a day and he walked over to Uniroyal, and this is in, you know, the Naugatuck Valley in Connecticut, <clears throat> home for less than 24 hours. And he walked into Uniroyal. He, he saw the manager said, I just got back from Vietnam. They shook hands and he, and he immediately started work. He took him around. He's like, this, this and that. And boom, he was, he was working. There was no application. There was no <laughs> red tape. There was none of that. And it's just like, man, it, I tip my cap to that, that version of Americana. It's like, you know, was, was it that, you know, where did we go? Where did we go wrong with having to, to go through all of this red tape and, and paperwork? And I think about that a lot, but so that leads us, you know, this is, this is kind of the American dream at work. So, I mean, you just, I love how you tell you're, you're the first person to come on here actually. And I think kind of be a, be a Cummins disrespecter, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> you know, cause I'll, I'll tell you, there's a lot of people, especially in these Facebook groups, you know, they'll worship Cummins. And I've been, and I had this talk with a, one of our, one of our friends on Twitter, Taylor built him and I both have a Packard MX 13 engine. You know, we both have mm -hmm. a Peter built. It's got a Packard MX 13. And there's a lot of people who give Packards a lot of guff. And it's just, um, and I think maybe early on they had, but it's at the end of the day, it's how you take care of it. But I appreciate your 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 willingness to admit your how much you respect the Volvo tech that's underneath the the hood of those trucks. I drove a Volvo as a company guy at my last company, and uh, and I say that I, there's a guy on TikTok who I'm friends with. He came on the show, and he does it as a troll. He calls himself King Volvo, and he always talks about how great Volvos are as opposed to like a long nose Peterbilt and how he flies past him up the hill. And I'll chime yeah. in because I had a guy at a Peterbilt de dealership tell me the, the dealership where I bought my truck, he willingly admitted, he goes, I'll tell you, Volvo's eye shift is the best transmission that, yeah. that anybody on earth has ever made. Yeah. And so, and so I was going to ask, do you, you know, do you agree with that? Like did, did the, tr like the trucks you got, are they, are they, are some of them automatics? Are they manuals? All of our trucks are automatic, automated manuals. Is the correct term? The um, that so that very first Volvo, the 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 used one I bought with the Cummins came, you know, was a manual ten speed, three fifty five gears, like everything you saw back in the day. It was geared. Looking back now, uh, it just wasn't geared right for what the engine was. Uh, a lot of things were. Even now, the trucking industry struggles with technology. It it. It's trying to go forward, but so many of the people are still trying to hang on to what was. So you end up with like these weird specs all the time with guys trying to 
take an engine that was never designed, you know, that's the thing with the Volvo architecture of that engine, was never designed uh, to run high RPMs. You know, the Swedish engineers, you know, they, they thought, you know, this would be a better concept to have it uh, run at very low RPM. So they, they build an engine that can do that. Then they ship it to the United States. You know, Volvo is the largest engine manufacturer in the, you know, diesel, you know, large diesel engine manufacturer in the world, you know, because that 13 liter is a global platform. It's, you know, it's, it's in China, it's in you know, Russia, it's everywhere, that engine, you know, Africa, you know. So they designed this engine, they bring it to the United States and everyone's like, oh, you know, we'll just put the same gears and we'll do the same thing that we always do. Well, the results, you know, weren't there what people expected, right? Cut to uh, coming up with the I-Shift and uh, the very first time that I ran that I-Shift with a 13 liter engine, I was shocked. I, it took me two whole weeks of completely fighting the transmission, you know, a couple times even getting into manual mode and, and just, you know, shifting with my finger, you know, just touching each time and like, I'm tired of this thing working. And I call the dealership and I'm like, this thing just isn't working right. And the guy's like, why don't you just let it do what it's supposed to do? Like, why are you fighting technology so bad? Why, you know, part of one's ego, right? Like I knew better than this thing, you know, uh, cut to letting it do its thing. And then suddenly my fuel economy starts going up and I kind of just got used to the engine running at very low RPMs and just decided, well, if I'm going to blow the motor up, I'll blow the motor up. You know, they, they, they told me this is what it was designed to do. It should be able to handle the stress of those very low RPMs. You know, but I grew up in an era with mechanical diesels, you know, uh, of the 80s. You know, my very first truck I drove had a 6V92 Detroit in it. You know, I ran around at 1,800 to 2,000 RPMs, you know, black smoke the whole time, just <laughs> going like hell, you know, and it, you constantly added oil to the thing. It, it burned so much oil. You know, just about every time you stopped, you had to add a little oil to the thing. It was crazy. But that's what I was used to. That, that old, just like I said, just what a guy's used to. I didn't want to let go of, of what I knew to learn something new. And I just had to let go of that. Uh, I keep saying that word, but that's the truth. I mean, it's just... You, we all love the past. Don't get me wrong. I love nostalgia as much as the next guy. My God, I could live in the past all day long. reminiscing about high school and, and, you know, like, uh, you know, thinking I was somebody back then. Right. You know, like every kid does when you're in high school, right? Like, you know, I was somebody once, but, uh, uh, it was learning how that I shift worked, uh, how to utilize it better. And then when I, uh, got the Mac, it was even more aggressive on the down speeding. And uh, that's when things really kind of took off. And, and like I said, just taking the money back and, and, and learning too. Like I, I kept trying to figure out uh, when I went to spec my Mac, I went to the mid America truck show when the manufacturers were still going there to the truck show. And I went and visit, I spent three days visiting every single booth. I talked to Kenworth, I talked to Peterbilt, I talked to, you know, Freightliner, you know, I went in the, and I talked to the engineers. I didn't want to talk to salespeople. I wanted to talk to engineers and I'd have them just sit there and explain, you know, their powertrain to me. And I wanted to learn more. Um, that's how I ended up with Mac because I just really believed in Volvo's powertrain. You know, they paint it red and they call it Mac, you know, uh, they put a different valve cover on it and they, they claim it's tuned differently. And uh, 
<laughs> For those listening, I'm, I got an itch in my eye. I'm winking. Um, and uh, it, but it's the same thing, you know. The M drive is the I shift. It goes down the same assembly plant there, and and um, and uh, good God, it's in Maryland there, uh, Hagerstown, Maryland. Uh, yep. The old Mac uh, powertrain plant is now the Volvo powertrain plant, and um, so yeah, they go down the exact same assembly line, and they just. You know, they separate them, and this one goes that way, and that one goes this way, and this one's an M drive, and that one's an I shift. <laughs> sure it is. Yeah. Sure it is. Yeah, they, kind of, they just split them up. I mean, I mean, Peterbilt and Kenworth, they're both owned by Packard at this point. Yeah. So it's like there's a set, there's almost one's going down the Peterbilt line, one's going down the, the Kenworth line, and they still have their respective things. So, I mean, there's, you know, that level of consolidation is there, but. You know, it's I'm I'm I can't wait to hear some of the feedback on this show because, like I said, I'm I'm really glad you brought all this up because there are a lot of friends of ours, you know, that we talk to on Discord and on Twitter. You know, especially you know, especially Gord, he goes into this a lot about trucks, and we talk about truck technology. And there is an argument about trucks nowadays where, uh, you know, they're being developed. They they have a lot of planned obsolescence technology, and you're kind of saying that hey, Volvo and Mac is just a little bit better on the, on this, on this end of things. I mean, they're making, apparently for your business, uh, they've been making products that's helped your business become profitable from, from your point of view. And I think it's a, I think it's a perspective that I don't think there's a lot of perspectives like yours out there on the, on the podcast realm, talking about Volvo, Volvo and Max technology, helping your business be profitable. So I, I think there's value in have and having that out there for people because that's the biggest thing when it comes to starting a trucking business is what kind of truck do you get? You know, what, what, you know, it, because not only do you want the right truck for the right job you're doing, whether you're flatbedding, pulling reefer, hauling cattle, whatever it is you might be doing. It's also at the end of the day it has to be a truck. Somebody wants to drive. So, I mean, it, and yeah. Uh, and take a grain of salt too. This is my humble opinion. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I don't, God only knows what my opinion is different than the next guy. You know what I mean? Like what I value is different. You know, Gord loves Chrome and, and air obstruction, you know, I love sleek. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like you got a Camaro. I mean, would you hang a, a fucking beer can on the outside of it? Yeah. It's going to cost you 10 miles an hour at, at top end because you got a beer can hanging off the fender, you know? I mean, think yeah. about it. You know, yeah. When when you're a big square, yeah. When you're a big square yeah. heading against heading against the wind, especially if you're all on a dry van, which is another part of the square. Yeah, you just just think about how much horsepower. Take out the plastic and everything. How much horsepower does it cost you when you're unaerodynamic? So, taking consideration of 389 Peterbilt sitting beside my super aerodynamic Mack truck, and we're both rated at the same horsepower. I actually have more because I don't have to use as much horsepower just to go down the road. Like he's burning, you know, he's using 40 more horsepower just to go down the road than I am. So technically, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's physics and it's, it's math and it's all these things that nobody wants to talk about. They just want Chrome and flash and, and I don't blame them. You know what I mean? You act like, I don't love that kind of stuff too, but you know, Trust me, when you go out of business and you got to sell something, you know what I mean? And then you're, you're involved, you know, I almost went to, into bankruptcy court. I was able to actually sell the truck, uh, you know, borrowed money from my parents 
to pay off the truck. I had to borrow $10,000 to get rid of the damn thing. And uh, it was a Kenworth T600. That's when I learned it's not the world's best, as it turns out. Kenworth, that is just a slogan. It's not the world's best. You know, they break down just like any other truck. You know, that's when I, I, I lost all my uh, feelings when it came to truck manufacturers then. The day that I bought a Kenworth, I realized they're all the same. Trucks are trucks. That's when I decided from here on out, whatever's best. If someone can beat Mac or Volvo at their game, I'm buying it. I'm going to drop the Mac loving. I'm going to be fucking whatever it takes, uh, you know, Freightliner loving, you know, international loving, whatever, you know, you know, I'll get a Navistar tattoo on my arm. I don't care. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm loyal to a point. You know, don't get me wrong. I love Mac and I, I think it's a great organization. I've got some great uh, contacts in, in their in their dealership network is so huge. And their Mac doesn't sell to fleets. So they're too small. They can't. So everyone that buys a Mac is either a small fleet like me, 10 or less, or they're single owner operators. So when I go into a Mac dealership looking to get in, unless it's a Volvo dealer, you know, if they're combined, you might have trouble. But if it's just a Mac dealer, they're getting you in. They don't have, you know, 15 uh, Creek carrier trucks sitting out there, you know, waiting in line. And, you know, they're their biggest customer. So obviously they're going to, you know, you're going to get the back of that line. See what I'm saying? So to me, I, I, I love Mac's product. Uh, I think it's fantastic. But I look at it from a different point of view. Um, no, this, I'll tell you, you're selling me on it right now. Because now come to think of it, whenever I see a Mac on the road, it's the, the company on the side is one I haven't heard. The only company I know of that has Macs, and it's because they're a bright green, I think is Bowerman or Bowerman. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Uh, yeah. They're just, they're a dry van company. They have like these uh, bright green Macs uh, that are on the road. And, it, and the only reason I know is because of how bright green they are. Other than that, anybody else I see in a Mac, it's a company I, I haven't heard of and I have and I haven't seen it twice. So that's right. So from even from the customer service standpoint, you want to get a service done or you got something you need to get fixed. You're saying you get a little bit quicker service from from your Mac dealer. And you see a lot of them in the bulk industry. Uh, back in the day, they, you know, at one point, Mac had 60 percent of the market share. That's back in the B model days. You know, the, when, when you think of Mac, you think of that round hood, round fenders. B model that was so popular back, you know, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, uh, and they just dominated. Cut to them not using their head and adjusting what the market Freightliner comes onto the scene, and how they got so big was because they were able to basically say, "What do you want? We'll make it." And Mac is like, "Here's what we got. Take it." You know. I hate throwing them that kind of shade, but that's the God's honest truth. That's how they went from 60% of the market share to 2%. Yeah. You know, that's it's, how it's, you lose it. You don't adjust. You don't listen to your people. And, uh, you know, they got bought out by Renault uh, back in the 70s. And then along comes Volvo in, in, in 1999 and buys them. Uh, their shares, you know, from Renault make, you know, joining them with us. And they just wanted the dealership network, you know, Volvo, uh, you know, they were part of white GMC and they bought them out uh, and all they had left was, you know, their name, but they didn't have any dealerships in the United States. You know, they had a you know, couple of dozen 
Well, Mac's got, you know, hundreds, you know, especially out east. You know, you can't throw a rock without hitting a Mac dealership out east, you know. <laughs> so cut to that situation. Uh, I think they got a great dealership network. I think they're really big on technology. I, I love the way they kind of integrate everything. And, and Volvo was the very first, I believe, to have a fully integrated powertrain. Actually, Mac, now that I think about it, had that. So don't quote me on that. You know, th these two guys, they, they've, they've been building their own engines and transmissions and axles for, for decades and, and making that integrated, uh, making it work better. Uh, I think that's where Cummins probably lacks its biggest situation is that, you know, I, I got 18 computers, I believe, in this truck, and they all work with each other. You know what makes the iShift so great is the iShift actually runs the truck, not the engine. Everyone assumes it's the engine, but it's actually the transmission. That's why it works so good. So if you've got an Eaton Fuller transmission hooked to your Packard engine, they don't, you know, the Eaton Fuller in transmission is not uh, running the truck. You know, it is the engine, it is the cab, and it's the secondary. So that's why you always see those guys have just a few more issues. They're not as smooth. Uh, I've uh, borrowed and or rented uh, a few Packard products over the years uh, with that Eaton Fuller automated manual. And I, I could, in my opinion, they're dangerous. Um, they have fine-tuned them a little better. They don't really have much of a creep to them, you know. Uh, on the Volvo Max side, you, you can just touch that pedal just a little bit, and it'll engage that clutch just ever so slightly, and the truck will roll nice and smooth. You do that with uh, that Eaton Fuller, you kind of give it a little gas, a little gas, and all of a sudden the clutch just engages, and next thing you know, the truck lurches forward or backwards. And I just, I found that to be highly dangerous in my opinion. Yeah, that's why I think they they make such a great transmission. No, you're absolutely right. It, the like, and I say this a lot, but yeah, my truck when I'm like backing up or into a parking space or something like that, you have to you're you're essentially on the pedal or you're on the pedal almost like you're driving a manual transmission car to the point where when you're almost letting out the clutch and hitting the gas at the same time because that's how the, the clutch engages in my truck the MX-13 as if it's like a manual where, yeah, it, it bucks, it bucks and it rocks back. Unlike the Volvo. Yeah. It's like, it's smooth, like a Cadillac, like in that truck, you could really, yeah, it really, how it engages, you could really like ease, ease yourself back when you're loaded. It'll do it when I'm empty. I can do that. I can creep in and it's, it's a lot easier, but that's because I'm empty. But if I'm at 75,000 gross, no, like you really got to. And then when it, it'll pop back and, You'll shake with it. So yeah, no, you're good. Good job. Hey, no, if you, uh, I appreciate this type of, this type of, this type of knowledge. This is valuable for people out there um, who are wondering how they can make, you know, cut, cut fuel costs and everything like that, but kind of coming full circle uh, back to, you know, growing your business, you know, you added that truck, uh, added that second truck. How many trucks are you up to now? Uh, technically we have 12, uh, trucks under our you know owned by me i guess and my wife but uh we have one leased operator and we're leasing on a second guy here next week too so uh technically we'll be up to 14 under the whole hellbent express umbrella five of them are still leased onto cliff eastman doing food grade tanker work out of gary south dakota there uh 
just love the corporate, you know, the, the business, the people that there. So I, you know, it's a great way to diversify our fleet. Uh, they remain rock steady. You know, the customers are their customers. So I, I, it allows me to take the money off of that to reinvest in the Hellbent Express. And I, and I started doing the dry van thing in 2000 and uh, what was that? 20, right? Right after uh, COVID. Yeah. COVID hit mm-hmm. in 20 there. Right after COVID hit, uh, if everyone remembers how it happened, you know, we were all supposed to have two weeks off, you know, two week vacation. Well, you know, doing food grade tanker, as it turns out, people still got to eat. Uh, so it, we, we stopped for like, you know, two weeks. And then all of a sudden everyone started ordering because the, the shelves got bare, right? Uh, so we were off to the races. And as soon the market got scared, though, you know, uh, they didn't know what was going to happen. So all the dealerships wanted to dump their equipment. Uh, I found a truck and a trailer. Um a brand new Mac for $125,000 and uh, a brand new trailer, uh, utility trailer for $30,000. And I thought, you know what? The stuff's so cheap. I'm like, why not buy it and uh, see what happens? And that, I mean, I couldn't have timed it more perfect. That's when the market started turning around, like as soon as I bought the stuff. And that, that, that took me to four trucks. At the time, I only had three uh, leased on with Cliff Eastman. And then that took us to four uh and really kind of fell in love with dry van from the standpoint that tank work and and flatbed work is all i was used to and it has its areas you know uh, not everybody needs something on a flatbed or in a food grade tanker especially a food grade tanker like there's literally like two dozen places you deliver to in this country you know what i mean like you know it's so specialized. So I would go there. Uh, when I did drive in, I realized around every corner, there's somebody that needs something shipped in a drive in. You know what I mean? Like in my, my hometown, there was all kinds of manufacturers that shipped drive in, brought in raw materials, drive in. It, it just opened this whole new door. And I've never had to uh, technically deal with uh, brokers in a large degree. And, you know, it was such a huge part of the industry, listening to people talk about it. it I was able to finally uh, see that side of it and and learn a lot of things. And I, I got excited about it right away as soon as I got into it. And I just started ordering more trucks. Um, my uh, brand affiliation with Mac, uh, uh, you know, I, I can't lie it, it lent itself to getting uh, some good deals on equipment it also kind of put me at the front of the list remember everyone was ha- having trouble getting equipment i was able to quickly get my name at the front of the list and uh got some trucks uh, out uh had some great friends in the industry that came to work with us uh you know guys that i respect and love and that's what made you know the biggest difference is I firmly believe that the most important piece of equipment is the driver by far and away, you know, even when it comes to fuel economy, it's the driver that makes the biggest difference, but it's also just the whole business. Uh, a bad driver will, will put you out of business. A good driver's worth their weight in gold. You know, if you can afford them, you know, like it's just, uh, you know, so that's what really kind of, I look back at it and our success really is our people. You know, yeah, I'm I'm back here pouring my guts into it, but 
I can only drive one truck. You know, it's all the other guys that came aboard, you know, and put their blood, sweat and tears into this thing too. then make it, you know, uh, it's a very small organization. And someday I want to grow it bigger, but also want to make it employee owned. I, I've, you know, it's just like the, the owner operator model, why people love it is because they have something in the game and why pour your heart into something if it's just to make someone else richer and not yourself. Right. So the, the way I look at it is eventually somehow, some way uh, to end up with, you know, a group of people basically owning Hellbent Express, not just me. You know, I want uh, the guys that, you know, that have been here for years to, to get a piece of it in the end, you know? No, I, th- I think that makes a, lo- a lot of sense that the idea of employee ownership, because I mean, I, I've learned a lot since getting my own truck as well. And, you know, so I, bu- I bounced back and forth on whether it was the right move or not. And I, I'm hanging on and I take things day by day, especially as I'm going through, you know, the, the repair after getting backed into. But um, people always have this idea or drivers think and th- there's a huge stigma. And I, and I was just reading this on a Facebook page and there's a lot of people on TikTok who say it. And they're like, if you've been driving for three years and you don't own a tr- own your own truck at this point, <laughs> then you then you haven't made it. And there's this idea, this that, yeah, this myth out there that the only type of upward mobility you can have in trucking in a career is is to own your own truck. And I just think that that's it's wildly untrue because there's companies out there like TMC that are employee owned, and I think TMC themselves has some pretty decently low turnover, especially being a flatbed company. I've met a lot of TMC drivers going to the port yeah. of Baltimore. Those guys seem very happy where they are. And they, and they've said it all the time. They're like, I don't like why they're like, why would I buy my own truck? I'm going to make less money. Why would I want that headache? And, you know, I, and a lot of them, you know, are just like, I don't want to manage employees. I don't think people realize, and I don't think uh, a lot of people who think that, you know, owning a truck is the is the standard of upward mobility and trucking. I don't think they realize that, you know, is what's the point of starting a business is to is to make money and to make profit and grow. And it's just like if your idea of just is, well, I'm just going to own a truck and be a, an independent contractor for a career. Uh, you, you know, you, I at least from my point of view is then what was the you know, what was really the point? you know, is and a lot of people say, well, it's the freedom. I mean, I could tell you, I feel like I had more freedom as a company guy at my last job than I do now. I mean, or than I did even when I was running off the spot market, I was a slave to the market. Last company, yeah. I was, they would send me anywhere, wedding in Connecticut, for a wife had a work trip in Florida, XYZ. I tell them anywhere I wanted to be and they got me there. So I, I can, I can appreciate how that's the direction you want to go with being employee owned. I will say you're the first guy I've ever heard who has his own authority and, and move and, you know, ha- and dispatches his own trucks that way, you know, under your own numbers, but you also have trucks leased on with a carrier. Now, how does that, how's that work? <laughs> it's, it's not as complicated as you would think. Um, you know, I just got these guys. Well, it helps too that I have a great relationship with the, the leadership crew there at, at Cliff Eastman, you know, uh, came to work for those guys when I was 24 years old uh, and and the the guys that are, are running it now the grandchildren of Cliff they were my age you know so now you know we, we basically grew up together in trucking uh, I know all their kids and their family you know so like they're super cool with 
me having these trucks and I can float back and forth. I'll jump in one of my cliff trucks uh, and, and go do some and tank work and I'll, I'll jump back in and do dry van. Uh, we've got a step deck now, so we've been doing some open deck stuff. Uh, really wanting to get a second one of those. That's kind of a, a fun area. Getting a lot of people basically saying, you know, they, you know, there's just not enough people doing that uh, open deck kind of work that really want to do it. Uh, uh, and with, you know, that that's that's the kind of work that really does take some heart open deck. You know what I mean? Because you can't just close the doors and pretend it isn't in fact there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in drive aid, you just close the doors and like, well, yeah, it'll either be uh, all in one piece when I get there or it won't. You know, and you just take off, you know, and that's the beauty of an immigrant, right? Like you just bring somebody in and you just show them how to, and you just don't hit anything, you know? And if you do, just uh, make sure you you do it quickly and end the suspense, right? Like, but uh, it, it, to me, it, it it's the passion of it, you know what I mean? Doing it all. Uh, I love the fact that I got those guys there. I wouldn't trade them for nothing. Uh, I love tank work, food grade tank. Uh I try not to talk it up too much because I don't want people getting into it. You know, I talked on Kevin Rutherford show about competition and he's like, Oh, competition makes us better. And I'm like, yeah, okay, buddy. Yeah. It, certainly it does. It makes you better, but I'll tell you what, it'll drive rates down. Uh, it'll drive driver wages down, you know, in that segment, but it's so specialized, you know, it, you have to own a wash bay, which costs millions of dollars. You got to have insurance like you wouldn't believe because if you, you know, you mess up something, people die. You know what I mean? You, you know, you got a bad wash or, or, or the driver themselves makes a mistake and puts something in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, it, you know, it's millions out the hole just like that. So it's, it's very specialized. But it, it's, it's the, even though things are timed from that point of view, like you got to pick up at 8 a.m. and you got to deliver at 10 p.m. or you got to do whatever. The customers love you. And that's the weird part because I go to the exact same customer with my dry van as I do the tank and you pull in with that tank. They're like, Hey, come on in. We can't wait to see you. Oh, you got that product we've been waiting for. Fantastic. Here's where you're going to hook up. Uh, you know, they might even pump, but you know, like they're just overjoyed to see you. I go around the other side of the building. I'm like, Hey, I'm here with the dry van. I've had nothing but a great experience at this location my whole career. And they're like, yeah, go up there and wait. We'll call you when we're ready. We don't want nothing to do with you. I know your appointment's 10 a.m., but sometime at 2 p.m. Or, or later, we'll get to you. Don't you worry. You know, I'm like, oh, this is like a complete different experience. You know, so that's the thing I love about tank work is that, you know, even though you might go to these huge food corporations, it's a different, you know, it's just a whole way uh, different animal. Uh, one of the guys that drives for me, he did reefer for decades. And now he's like, I'll never go back. He's like, now that I've done this tank, he's like, he, he's like, this is so nice. You know, <laughs> everyone oh, yeah. thinks you with great respect and, and, and wants you when you show up, you know. I've heard I've heard tanks, pneumatic tanker guys definitely get, um, and, and guys who haul fuel. I've met a lot of fuel guys out here in Texas, and they say this, they, lo they love their job because wherever they go, they get treated treated right and yeah our another gentleman he was on the show recently our buddy indy trucker on, on twitter he mm -hmm. um you know he does pneumatic tanks lease time with autumn transport who i've heard nothing but good things about and he said same thing wherever he goes it's money i'd say uh, the most disrespected uh freight hauler would definitely be anybody who's hauling reefer um reefer guys get probably bugged the most by brokers um 
always been having like le- you know the commands of leaving doors open uh getting yelled at because they were sitting at docks and they're like well the temperature is different now and they're like well i've been sitting here for two hours i think reefer get disrespected the most and then drive yeah. in and then drive in uh, above that and then and then from there once you get out of reefer and drive in the respect just changes like once you're yeah. flat, be- flat betters <laughs> are like a brotherhood and then yeah the tanks your customers treat you a lot better so it's just like it, go- it goes up from there and then i mean bull haulers people leave you alone i mean you just you're pretty much the boss of the road. So yeah, it's like once you get out of drive and refer to trucking in general, I think it's, it gets a lot better respect wise. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I just love the utility of vans. It's just, God, you can put anything in these damn things. And it's just fun to me because, uh, you know, I'm just a big kid. Uh, I love hauling stuff. I love seeing what a guy can, you know, some of the unique stuff you can put in this, you know, when you do, food grade tankers there's like you know a dozen products you can put in that thing you know what i mean and, and i used to tell people you know like well, what do you haul i said basically if it's liquid and you can put it in your mouth i can put it in that tank mm-hmm. you know it so that's and how many things can you do you know what i mean like there's you can only list like a dozen things so it's very limited you know cut, cut to van and, and suddenly i could you know the possibilities were sort of endless Oh yeah, and, the, and that's what I enjoyed about it. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily care for the shippers or the carriers. Some, some are great. Don't get me wrong. In my part of the world, the Midwest, you know, the best. I loaded at a place today. They're like, yeah, just, just back it up, and we'll just load you. And like, I, I, I'm as I'm getting out, I feel them, you know, loading me. You know, as I'm getting out to to, to make sure I, I even got the dock straight. You know, I'm like, oh, I better make sure. And they, they don't care. They just slap the thing down. They start loading me with crates. You know, and, and, and five minutes later, I'm I'm loaded. And I'm like, wow. Like, yeah. So, you know, running the Midwest, I, I, I've I've got good luck. And I, I just enjoy it. I mean, I'm I'm just a big trucking nerd. I just love all of it, you know. I love yeah. straight waves, too. You know, just talk about them coming on the scene here in the last few years. Like, uh, you, you hear uh, Greg talk about how, he, you know, everyone told him no one would give a, a rat's ass about freight. And, you know, how great that thing's taken off. And I just love reading all about it. Now, you know, I've been in it my whole life. I didn't know nothing about any of this stuff. You know what I mean? To me, it didn't even exist. It was like a a, 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 a closeted, not talked about sort of uh, thing. And now it's like all coming to light. All the logistics that it takes to move all this stuff and just how it moves across this nation. I you know, I could sit there and listen to, you know, great waves and soar all day long. And it's, I just find it incredibly fascinating, but you know, I'm old now. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I I love it too. I was just listening, you know, I just had grace on the show. Who's got her show on XM. And I was just yeah. listening to, to her show on road dog. And I was like, man, I might need to get XM again because I just love listening to this. I love being in the discord. I love talking on Twitter spaces I, yeah, just absorbing all this knowledge about where, like, what everybody's doing from brokers, from drayage, like, learning a lot about the drayage has been really fascinating, like the rail side and container side. But then, even, even this, like, you, you talking about, like, how, so yeah, dry van, like, just market wise, dry van can take you anywhere. You can lo- throw up anything in it. But the pneumatic tank thing, like, this is a whole new thing I just figured out. Like, you, so why would you have those tanks? Like, why would you, as a business, buy tanks? 
and run those pneumatic tanks under your own authority. The access to the customers isn't there. You already have a carrier who's had longstanding contracts with these customers. Yeah. So you know, so you know the money coming in. That's stuff, that's information out there that other owner operators don't know. Because a lot of guys will say, get your own DOT, get your own customers. Well, hold on, wait a minute. You can't, you, because if I, if, okay, so say I'm a 10 truck carrier and I have pneumatic tanks and I go to where you pick up your food grade stuff, that company's not going to talk to me. They're going to say, oh no, we're all set. You know, we have, we have Mac Lovin and his trucks that are leased on with this carrier. We already <laughs> use them. They're not, they don't need, they don't need me trying to get into that market because they don't know me. They have never worked with me, you know, whether, whatever my CSA score is or not. So it's like access to customers is really important when it comes to carrier and longstanding carriers. That's a whole side of things. I don't think people seem to realize is what, what it, what it means to gain and keep customers and, and how you access that, access that freight. But yeah, you're, you're spot on, man. I, I love listening, reading the, because the people from freight waves are uh, the best way to put it. And I know it, it sounds like they're fitting our narrative, but they're, they're allies in the cause. They're, they're the ones telling the truth. The mainstream media sources, they never talk, Whenever they talk, they don't talk about logistics at all because it's not sexy. So like to go, like, it's, like you said, growing up, nobody talked about this shit because it's not sexy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing hot. There's nothing flashy about it. It's not like finance where it's Wall Street suits, people screaming, throwing receipts. You know, it's, you know, it's trucks. It's, you know, uh, yeah, bills of lading and like boring stuff. Now, yeah, we're, we're making it sexy. The, you know, sonar you know, what, what freight waves talks about. It's their mainstream, you know, their mainstreaming. And we are too, us on Twitter, like we're sharing memes and just talking about it. You know, we're, we're mainstreaming it to be it because really it is a part of everyone's daily lives. Like what these trucks do, what you do, what I do, what freight waves talks about, what brokers do. It literally runs everybody's entire world <laughs> when, when they think about it, how they got their clothes, how they get their food. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's one thing to sit there and say if a truck moved it or if a truck or what is it, if you, if you own it, a truck brought it, whatever the hell that slogan is, great slogan, but it's just, it, it, it doesn't tell you anything other than, you know, like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's catchy, it's fast, you know, people are short sighted, you know, I guess. So, you know, make it something quick and uh, uh, listening, you know, and thinking about it, it never really hit me. It really didn't until I was in drive-in. And then suddenly I'm like, literally everything, you know what I mean, comes in a truck. Uh, it gets moved by rail car, uh, you know, uh, meeting my wife, who, who is from Toledo, Ohio, and it's just this huge hub for railway and auto manufacturers, you know, being so close to Detroit and everything. And just seeing the multitude of how, uh, you know, these manufacturing plants you know like there's just like this little tiny plant in the trees and i'm like what the hell you go there and i pick up something i'm like oh yeah we make the the widgets for the side of the the ford door or whatever and i'm like ford doesn't make that <laughs> said, no no ford just you know gets this to make that little doohickey that hangs on the side of the door and i'm like oh so i got ten thousand of those things so it, it it it's that kind of stuff that really uh, i find exciting to see it all and these, like you said, these guys just brought it right to light and explain it. And uh, I, I wish more people would would look at it from that from that point of view, like open their mind, and and see what these people have to offer. I, I think that the the rest of the world, if they could just like open their mind, you know, and, and freight waves a little dry, you know what I mean? It, it's not like it's comedy; it doesn't pull you in and entertain you. But it it is it is 
insightful and if more people could you know just take an episode here and there and then just kind of learn how everything just moves across this nation you know like like you know you, you get la- you get locked into your little segment of life right like you, you're leased on to warren transport so like you're just used to john deere equipment and parts and things you know and then it isn't until you go do something else or you see all this other stuff kind of transpiring like i didn't know anything about reefer i you know personally could never stand the noise of them so i've never wanted to do anything with them but then along comes twitter and 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 freight waves and everything else explaining how you know food gets moved through this country and the, the different waves you know of of the market you know like well they they're growing watermelons now so it's watermelon season and that's over here in this part of the world so it's going to spike over here and then you know it causes uh uh everybody in the shift to a different part of the country so then it causes other rates to go up in different parts because of everyone shifting to this thing i, I just find that wildly interesting uh, not that i can capitalize on it to make more money or anything but it, it is kind of exciting uh i shouldn't say exciting even is the word for it but interesting you know um i was thinking about you know you're like when well, i got out of the uh, military and i bought a camaro and i got crazy and you know all that i'm like yeah i used to listen to music and uh you know drink alcohol and and and, and chase women and now i listen to freight waves <laughs> <laughs> yeah what the things that exhilarate you later in life yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I i catch myself saying the same thing i'm like yeah i used to be uh, it says it right. It, it yeah. says yes. Yeah, says it in my bio. Uh, it says it right in my podcast bio that I'm a retired Guido because, by all means, yeah, 12 years ago I would be uh, fist bumping in a club, listening to loud music, sweating, drinking, yeah. you know, Long Island iced teas, and that was like the time of my life. And now I get fired up talking to, uh, <laughs> but guys like our buddy over there at Trade Logistics talking about yeah. import importing shrimp. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's oh. the type of stuff that fires me up. Oh, um, yeah. But listening the, to that podcast, I thought that was incredibly interesting. Yeah, I, I, I love this stuff. And at the end of the day, for you and for me, being being so open about that knowledge, it, it's just in all in all, it's always training us to be just better at this business. Uh, it's that's how you master the craft. Like so people who wonder, oh, the only upward mobility in, in trucking is to own a truck. Not so much. Uh, if you get involved, getting involved and learn, and I've made a TikTok video about this, learn what brokers do, learn what they do in drayage, learn about, learn about the powertrains of Max, learn about the uh, Volvo iShift, learn about all these different parts, these different little uh, tidbits about the logistics industry, learn about chassis, learn about all that stuff because whether, because you don't, if you want to advance in trucking, it doesn't mean you need to be always behind the wheel because, okay, maybe one day you need to get out from behind the wheel. You have kids or whatever and absorb that information. You can go be an asset for these trucking companies and work uh-huh. in their work for their brokerage team, work in their customer service team, work for their, you know, in care or be a carrier sales rep, you know, for brokers, because what better carrier sales rep uh, you know, imagine talking to a carrier sales rep and you're an owner operator and you find out your sales rep used to be an owner operator himself you, you, or or was a company guy who dealt with brokers, too. So getting, you know, being involved in the logistics world and being on Twitter and hanging out with us only just hones your craft as, you know, being a part of this, you know, being a part of this industry because you can go anywhere. You know, people like, you know, you said you've dabbled in other things, you know, but you've only driven a truck. Uh, well, 
granted, you run a good business now, so it's not like you couldn't go anywhere with that knowledge. But people who think that they just drive a truck have no idea the other skills that they've learned with it when when it comes to customer service, sales, communication, and just it, once like you talk to anybody, you talk to those guys who drive the Chrome, like you said, they drive the Chrome, the W9s. Those guys have such a knowledge of their own engines, all that stuff. They could go work for Cummins. They can go sell Cummins to other, t- you know, these people can go anywhere. So the possibility, you know, people, the possibilities are limitless with, you, you know, if you work in logistics and absorbing this information, although it doesn't sound sexy, eventually you get <laughs> a lot of fun. But it's wonderfully necessary. You yeah. know what I'm saying? This that I was uh who was I talking to earlier? We were talking about if you know if uh oh yeah, one of my drivers, so a lot of my drivers are you know really into the into the conservative movement. Uh so every once in a while we talk, you know, about some conservative, you know, movement stuff, you know. And he was saying, like, you know, uh China and Russia would never invade us because they're afraid of all the people with guns. And I'm like, Well, yeah, that they wouldn't necessarily need to invade us to to bring us to our knees they would just have to stop uh trucks you know what i mean like if they could stop the trucks they could, if they could stop this nation doesn't work like that you know it doesn't uh, like it used to where everything was in a in an area like you know th- this this food was made here and it was distributed in little bits now it's all made right here in this one area and then it gets distributed all throughout the united states from that one tiny little area so all they got to do is cripple it in spots and our nation gets brought to its knees. You know, there's not enough food in the stores. People are used to having access to anything they need at their whim, you know, never having to wait, you know. So that's what would cripple us as a nation. And that's the thing people don't think about when it comes to logistics, you know, like how much this country is built on logistics. Like it's crazy. You know, like I said, I never... You know, coming from South Dakota, you know, there's 600,000 people in one of the largest states in the union. So there aren't a lot of people, you know, the town I grew up nearby. I live 20 miles outside of Aberdeen. It only had 23,000 people when I was growing up. We're now up to 28,000 in in 49 years. We've added 5,000 people. Yeah, that's a boom. <laughs> It's a boom, man. But that's my point. Like it's in that little part of the world, you don't see this massive nation. I mean, look at just what New York City consumes in product and raw product that has to come in there day after day after day. And until I did drive in, I didn't really see that. Like you get in there and you just see these massive warehouses and things just constantly piling in and getting distributed into that many people in a little tiny area. And and that's the kind of cool part about this country. And that's the, the part I love about it. You know what I mean? It's dare I say, you know, America is logistics. You know what I mean? Like this is, you know, it's all these other countries that, that I'm sure they send their people here to learn it, to take it back with them because we've, if it wasn't for the smooth running machine that we have, we couldn't be the country that we are, you know, uh, and sure, you can say it's all consumerism, but really, it's like, uh, I mean, any, it's what you were just talking about, taking your knowledge and doing something different with it, because it touches everything in this nation. It's all built off of logistics. You know, every tiny little piece, you know, is tied together. You know, like I was saying, you know, 
the little widget that goes on the door, or the, you know, the door handle or whatever you want to call it there, you know, any of the switches, they're, they're made by tiny little manufacturing plants, you know, often, you know, Jack Shack, Michigan, you know, that, that comes down and, and they put it in their vehicle, you know what I mean? So it's like all these little tiny manufacturing plants, just they all funnel into the plant. They go out to the dealerships, you know, it's just all this fascinating stuff. And like you said, truck drivers don't see the big picture. They should be learning while they're going down the road, taking in all this information. Yeah, maybe you drive a truck for a decade, but you can take that information and move on to something different. You know, you could go into any one of these manufacturing plants and, and be a logistics coordinator for them. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't have to drive the damn forklift, you know, and, and I don't know if I've never tried and I'm sure they're out there. They probably want you to have some kind of weird degree or something. But I think if a guy sat down and showed them how to, you know, the kind of knowledge that you have and how you could put that to their benefit, uh, you know, they could hire you. That's the thing. I don't think owner operator, personally, you were talking about that. The other thing I was thinking about, I don't think being a company driver and being an owner operator, I don't think that's a step up. I really don't. If you have a desire to own your own business, you should be an owner operator because there was plenty of times as an owner operator, I made less money than a company driver. It's not a step up and pay people. I'm here to tell you, it can be if you do it right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, as a single truck owner operator, I was making 150,000 a year, but I was doing everything right. In my opinion, you know, these downsped powertrains don't have emissions issues. You know, my maintenance is actually five cents a mile. That's basically oil changes and tires, you know, the occasional do do hickey that breaks or something, but that's it. Like we don't spend money. Uh, these things are just tight and I love them for it. And that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm making more money, but that doesn't guarantee you, you know, uh, Kevin, uh, he had a tweet not too long ago. He was arguing with a guy that was, he's like, you know, being an owner operator doesn't guarantee you profit. Like no one's going to guarantee you profit. And this person was arguing back with them. Like, look at you, you, you know, you, you advocate for owner operators and, you, and you, you're saying that they shouldn't make profit. And he's like, that's not what I'm saying. You're gambling, you know, every business gambles. And if you're a company driver, you're, you're, you know, for the most part safe, the company could go out of business and your paycheck could evaporate. But I think people, it's not a step up in my mind. If you want to, you take that company driver and you can elevate yourself within the organization and be their ace driver that they always count on. You can be that guy. You can, uh, I know a lot of guys end up wanting to be like the safety director or working in the office. And I think that's, there's limited people that can really handle that job. You know what I mean? You've got to have people skills and, and truck drivers are independent individuals. That was the biggest thing I've learned owning a fleet is now I don't worry so much about miles per gallon. It's still a huge factor, but now I'm the human resource guy. I got to keep people happy. I got to keep people wanting to get, you know, like I, I spend a lot, fair amount of time helping people with their problems. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like being their friend, talking them through things, helping them with things, you know, those kind of stuff, because that's, that's how you keep, you know, it's a service industry trucking is, 
all we're, all we're providing is, you know, the, the, the truck is the tool, but the person is what's actually doing the work. So, you know, yeah, it's great to talk about Mac trucks, but really I should be taking a, a class in, in uh, uh, psychology that I can, I can talk to people in a, in a more caring way and in more thoughtful way, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, that's really what it's about. So that's why I say like sometimes some guys get caught up, like I can move into the safety director. I'm like, yeah, do you really want to be the guy they call when something went wrong all the time? And it's up to you to pick up the pieces or to call them and be like, hey, why did you just get, you know, uh, on our camera, we saw that you were doing 75 and a 65, you know, you want to be that guy. There's a certain amount of people that can do that job. Um, and you got to have great people skills is what I'm getting at. But you could definitely take that, that, 10 years, a decade of experience in driving into a thousand different arenas, you know, out here in the logistics world. Yeah. And HR is one yeah. of them. Yeah. Especially from that perspective. No, that, that is good. And you're right. You, you become a, there's a term for it. You, not everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. You could be what's called an intrapreneur. And if you're one of like your goal, if you're a company driver, be their best company driver. And then, Hey, you might need to not, you need to tell them, hey, you got a kid, your uh, mom got sick, whatever. And it's like, hey, I need I need to come off the road. Uh, but I really like this company. If you showed up and showed out, just like any other company you work for, whether it be a warehouse or where, just like any other company, you show up and show out like, hey, I've, I got to come off the road, uh, but I really like working here. Oh, you know what? You know, we'll sh you know, they'll show you dispatching. They'll show you you know, the customer service team, there's no reason why any of these companies wouldn't want to retain you, um, especially because most drivers, when they come off the road, end up going back. So it's like you get you know, that's that's the thing. It's people. There's not this, you know, there's not it's not this one sided vision of, oh, you know, once you're buying a truck, there's a lot of different ways to go. And people just need to people need to realize that that. But uh, no, that's it's well said. Yeah. HR manager. And, you know, here you went. You're like, I've you know, I've always driven a truck. And now you're like, well, I'm the HR guy too. You know, there's a lot more that's that's Burgoyne from it. But man, this is this this is a fantastic story. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, before uh, before we sign off, though, where can uh, you're you're on Twitter? You're at MacLovin. Is there anywhere else people can find you? If you're a driver looking for, are you hiring right now? We are hiring. Uh, we got a couple trucks empty. Uh, one on a tank, and the other one a dry van. And, you know, maybe soon uh, another, you know, open deck, you know, might do some, you know, more stuff with that. I think there's a lot of opportunity here um, as the as the bottom comes, as they say. Right. But you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Jamie Hagan. You know, uh, you can find me anywhere, you know, Facebook, you know, I'm on Instagram as, you know, Hellben Hagan. Same way with uh, Twitter, you know, all these stupid social media stuff, you know, which I got into because, you know, Back in the day, my kids, you know, they were on Facebook, you know, and I, I was the guy that was always making fun of people on Facebook, you know, and then I I wanted, you know, my wife comes to me one day, she's like, you know, did you see what your daughter did on Facebook? I'm like, what, what is that? So then I had to download it, you know, and, and, uh, and so I could keep an eye on that kid. And, uh, and then lo and behold, you sit in a cab all day long with nothing to do, especially at night, you know social media and, and trucking are kind of hand in hand. If you think about it, it's a great tool for people to use to connect with each other. Now I know more drivers than I ever have in my life, you know, with the, uh, what am I on Twitter now, 14 years or something. 
uh, you know, I just know thousands of drivers and it's fantastic. What a great community, you know, meeting people like yourself, you know, like uh, I, you and I would have never connected without social media, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it's a great tool and it, it's exciting to, to, you know, when you use it for good, you know, yeah, <laughs> you gotta use people it. you can use it for bad too, you know, <laughs> and it, it take it to a weird level, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I love keeping it positive and finding, you know, great positive people and, and, and what you can build with a group of positive people. That's what I'm saying. Like if I can pool enough fantastic human beings together, you can build a company that just can't be stopped. You know what I mean? Like bad economy or not, you got enough steam. There's just no stopping it. So that's what we're building, I guess, or at least hell, attempting. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> very, very well said. So you guys know where to find them. Uh, and I guess if you are hiring, they can go to hellbenexpress.com would be correct. So hellbenexpress.com. So the pneumatic tank job is regional, you said. So if you live in the kind of the, the upper Midwest, is you yeah. kind of hot, you'd kind of hire out of there because they're out of the, um, you said they're out of, they're out of Fort Dodge, Iowa. No, that that was back in the day, Smithway uh, Motor Express out of Fort Dodge. But now we're the Cliff Eastman. Uh, they've got uh, a dozen different locations throughout the United States, but primarily we run out of that uh, Wapaton, North Dakota. It's just south of Fargo, so uh, like fifty miles. That's one of our main terminals. Uh, you know, we're just pulling food grade liquid out of out of the out of the Dakotas. There, you know, there's several. Uh, squeeze plants for vegetable oil you know your soybean oils and your canola oils and stuff you know and then of course you got all the dairy in in minnesota and stuff we're really getting to hauling oat milk now too a kind of a, a crazy new trend but uh stuff like that so you got to live up in the dakotas you know north or south dakota minnesota uh for that kind of situation though we got a great blend of like regional and over the road like we do stuff out to california we do stuff out to pennsylvania you know down to the carolinas out there but we do a lot of stuff in a five-state area too like so if you don't want to be gone a lot you can be home every weekend in that application and then of course the dry vans you know we we just go where the money you know we just try to find we got a couple of customers but for the most part we're just flying wherever a guy wants to go if somebody tells me they want to go out west i find them a load out west they tell me they want to get home. You know, we just, we do whatever it takes uh, to work with people. So, yeah. Yeah. Off your website, it says, you know, essentially, you know, you're, you're a family owned company and, you know, your drive van drivers, just an OTR gig, but, you know, wherever they kind of need to be, you, you'll send them. So it's, so the, the drive van opportunity is definitely just all lower 48, pretty, pretty standard and just, yeah, no, that's that's good, man. We we like to I like I always like to talk about good companies on the show. And when it comes to trucking in general, the career path, I think, is when somebody is able to find a company like yours. You know, you start out, you know, and 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 we hate this, obviously, but this is the way the career path goes. You start out with the mega carrier, you get that year experience or two, one to two years. And then once you get that one to two years, that's when you start, you know, hopefully you've networked enough to find, get yourself to that medium, small to medium sized carrier like like yours that, you know, you don't, you're not a number anymore. So that's the way to go. But hey, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on. It's an awesome story. Um, we'll definitely have to have you back on again sometime soon because I'd love to see, I'd love to do a follow up, see how much you've grown, especially because the bottom is coming. So we'll have to, we'll have to link back up and get you back on. We'll do a little do a little recap, but uh, 
Other than Maybe that, in man, the daylight. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you're like, I'm a ghost here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's getting dark. It's getting dark behind you. I could tell. So yeah, yeah. you, you, you got to get some shut eye. I definitely got to as well, but I want to thank everyone for listening. I uh, really appreciate you coming out. You know where to find him at Mac Lovin. The name of his company is Hellbent Express. You know where to find me at Lombard Trucking with that guys. We'll see you on the next one.